welcome to Wemcast. So welcome guys to Wemcast, another episode uh, with me, Owen Walker. Uh, so I'm here with a colleague and friend of mine, uh, Jenny Sherman. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, hi, morning. <laughs> so what I just wanted to do on this episode with Jenny is really just do a deep dive into, into mental health and mental well-being, really, um, both from a clinician perspective and from a community perspective. Uh, mental health perspective as well but I think we should probably start with Je- uh, Jenny with you just just if we if you could just give a little bit of background on who you are what you're about w- what you've been studying and what you do right now. Yeah no thank you so much yeah um, so my background uh, originally is in medicine and I'm still practicing as a clinician but I've got a real passion and interest in well-being really so that's um, kind of developed over the last five to six years and it's taken me um, off in some really interesting directions. So I'm a qualified yoga teacher um, and I also coach. So I coach people one-to-one around various different issues. But, you know, at the heart of all that really is well-being and how to improve your well-being um, in various different domains. And then I'm also totally completing a master's, which is specifically in the use of coaching uh, in well-being, essentially. So looking at how we can actually try and improve people's well-being on both an individual and a kind of community level setting. Um, so yeah, I'm very passionate about uh, ways we can protect and promote our mental and emotional well-being. So yeah, delighted to be here this morning. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fantastic. You are the person to talk to on this on this subject. <laughs> you are absolutely. So Den, um, so just just on that yeah. on that topic really. I mean, just especially mm. uh, specifically in the current climate, um, mm. and what we're facing um, at the moment. And around sort of our own mental well-being, um, what what sort of challenges do you see us facing at the moment uh, from a rising tide in demand? Mm, mm. I mean, I think if we're just looking at uh, looking at it uh, from a general community kind of perspective, first of all, I mean, I think I think obviously it is an incredibly unique time. It's something that it's it's a period where none of us have experienced what we're experiencing at the moment. So I think the first thing to say is that. Um, it's destabilizing for people. It's really destabilizing because in a very short space of time, their world has been turned upside down um, externally and internally, particularly, I think, working from home, which is a big factor for people at the moment and obviously restrictions on being able to go outside. So I think, you know, the, the kind of big important things are, I think for a lot of people, there is an element of social isolation. Um, I think that is a really, really important factor. And how do I continue to connect with people in creative ways, given, you know, given the government guidance? Um, I think that is definitely a big, big factor. And then I think there's other factors around things like exercise. Actually, if you're only allowed to really go outside once a day, how do we continue to look after our physical well-being um, in that type of context? Um, and then I think for some people, there's also just the challenges of maybe, for example, having a family all at home at once, trying to work, trying to look after a family and all of what goes with that lived environment as well. And we know that our, our living environment has a massive impact on our mental and emotional well-being, aside from what's going on at the minute. So I think there's environmental kind of factors there, too. Um, but I think, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of the elephant in the room if you don't talk about it straight off. I think the biggest one is that is obviously the, the social media culture that we live in now. And the fact that actually at the best of times, it's incredibly difficult to disconnect. And if there was ever a time where we needed to regain control and disconnect and be present, it is now. Because I do think that that is really heightening heightening everybody's levels of anxiety and also confusion around the situation as well so I think there's a lot going on and I think it's um it's a time where actually you know we all probably need to be actually prioritizing and having greater awareness of of real practical strategies just one or two things you can start to do every day that can really help to bolster your mental and emotional well-being in this type of situation yeah, that's fantastic, and I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying. I, mm. I agree that actually finding finding increasingly difficult to switch off on days off. Um, one of the things yeah. I think we all suffer from at the moment is a deficit in 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 sort of focus because of this notification culture. So your iPhone okay. notifies you with latest yeah. news updates, 
latest WhatsApp updates. If you're on social media, latest Facebook updates, then latest Instagram updates, latest this, latest that, latest. And it's and it's almost inextricably linked with refocusing. It's it's so it's a fight for your attention, and it's refocusing your attention on a lot of negative, a lot of a lot of confirming. Or, or strengthening biases that we that we're trying to pull away, ourselves away from, and I think one okay. of the things like you were just saying, I've had to do. I've, so I've ten, turned my notifications off on my phone for for WhatsApp. I'm not on social media anymore. I I've con- consciously de-escalated my life away from the notification culture, so that so that as you say, the separation and clear lines of engagement between between work time. And, and focus time and not and even in my personal life I think when I'm trying to focus I've realized actually making sure that my phone is is not going to disturb me is has oh. been a powerful tool for for being able to get things oh. done uh, and oh. and so I, absolutely sort of de-escalating the notification culture to be able to separate minds away from work time and, and, and rest time and and is, is that something you would advocate for, for some of the clients you work with or <clears throat> people use 100% I mean I would say it's now essential for most people to have some kind of because the other the other element of this is what we're talking about here is you know we're living currently in a time where where many people feel out of control they feel because of the external situation quite out of control so very simple things like what you're talking about as well it is a way for you to actively feel like you're taking control of your own well-being and that in itself can be very alleviating if you are experiencing a lot of anxiety or worry around a particular situation so this is one example of many different things you can do which all fit into that category you know, uh, obviously you're doing it for more than just that reason, but it, it you know, it does, it does have the, the, you know, the, the impact of, of helping to reduce anxiety. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I'm a massive advocate of, sometimes it can be very difficult for people to go cold turkey with phones, um, especially if you're constantly switched on. So, you know, I, I normally start off with, okay, well, if we, if we can't, you know, it's kind of going from here to zero, well, let, can we find somewhere in between to start off with? So, can we have a dedicated time at the beginning and at the end of the day where you're allowed to be with your phone? Not a lot, but, but you give yourself permission. You give yourself permission to actually have a look at what you want to have a look at. But it's really, really, um, it's really regimented. It's almost like, right, I've got 30 minutes. I'm allowed to switch things on. I'm allowed to check in with my messages. I'm allowed to go onto the news. I'm allowed to go on social media. But after that 30 minutes, that's it. It all gets turned off again. And then I get on with the rest of my day. And I think, you know, that can be actually very achievable for people as well. Because this is a goal setting as well, isn't it? When it's a behavior, it's changing the behavior for the positive. Um, but it's a goal. It's essentially setting a goal. And, you know, the smaller you make them, the more achievable you are. And then you start to see the benefits of doing it. And then you start to think, actually, do I even need it twice a day? Maybe I could just do it once a day, you know. And I think that 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 that's kind of the essence of a lot of this kind of um, a lot of this stuff, really. So, yeah, absolutely, I think that it is essential, and it's particularly essential at the moment um, to to have some form of active practice where you take control of how much um, you're being bombarded by the outside world. Um, and essentially, in many ways, it is an act of uh, of of mindfulness, you know, which, which is, you know, it underpins so many of these things. But it essentially is. It's you becoming aware of something that you think might actually be having a negative impact on your well-being and then choosing to do something about it. Yeah, Jen, totally. So, I 100% agree. Yeah. So I, I, I absolutely. Um, I think what I've had to do is differentiate the hierarchy of noise in my life and trying to de-escalate the hierarchy of noise and noisy platforms as well. So that differentiate the noise maybe um, in and around social media versus the noise on, 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 on WhatsApp and WhatsApp channels and, and, and learning to peel away from that. So you're right. You can be in a space in your mind where you're processing what might've been a very few, uh, um, a very, um, a couple of stressful days or collection of days we're having people now mm. certain, certainly junior doctors and junior paramedics and nurses that are, that are working a string of five six seven eight nine ten i spoke to a, um, a colleague the other day who works in a local hospital and he's he's just done 12 shifts on the bounce and having yeah. done 12 shifts you know the amount of noise and information and stress in your mind uh, 
and to be able to de-escalate that over the process of, of, of three or four days and, and just not have other noise in your life, I think is, is a powerful refra- cognitive reframing tool um, to, to be to 100%. being still. A hundred percent. And the way I, I think, I think, you know, this is, this is, this is a very real thing at the moment, I think for healthcare professionals across the board, even healthcare professionals who are also being asked to step up, who've maybe never, um, physiotherapists, allied health, you know, healthcare professionals, people are being asked to help to step up and be involved in more of a um, point of care setting, and who maybe don't also. This is their first experience of this type of situation, or juniors, junior paramedics, nurses, doctors. It's um, you know, what an introduction to healthcare. You know, it's really it's a very intense beginning for them in their career path. So. I think you're right and I think it's multifactorial and I think the way I always think about this is you know the type of environments we work in as clinicians they are so stimulating and we are we are often working from our flight or fight we're 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 working very rapidly very responsively but we're very much in our sympathetic nervous system we we have to be in that place and what we need to do when we have time off is you know, simply put, find ways to come out of that, find ways to come back into rest and digest, find ways to just scale it way back down. So as you say, you're turning down the noise mentally and emotionally, but you're also, as you do that, you're starting to, to kind of relax more in the physical body as well. So, you know, that's bringing in some yoga, you know, obviously some yoga analogies, but it is a very simple way of thinking about it is, we have a few days off. We need to do something that gets us back down to rest and digest. And that can take the form of lots of different things. So as you say, I mean, I think, you know, social media and, and phones is certainly one element of that. But, um, you know, there there are lots of other things that we can do as well. So well, Just looking at the other things, Jen, just, just before we yeah. pivot and turn and look at maybe some, some of the mental health in the community, is there any other things you would advocate around so maybe meditation or maybe or maybe yoga or in, indeed other aspects of, of, of coming back down to baseline, turn, turning the noise down and, and refocusing uh, and restoring really? Definitely. I mean, a hundred, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I am I'm a huge advocate of meditation, but I also am quite a, a realist when it comes to meditation. And I, and I also look at the word meditation in a very creative way. I don't, you know, it's not just sitting down on the pillow and, and you know, like looking very zen. It can actually take the form of anything can become a meditation. So, I mean, I people new to meditation who've never done any of it before I normally say start off with a breathing exercise because it is actually a form of meditation and there's actually an awful lot of science and evidence building behind breathing exercises so it's something you know obviously as healthcare professionals we're so used to evidence-based behind things and and I think it is true though I mean breathing exercises have got have got um, and a growing evidence base and often it's used a lot in um, in therapeutic contexts with um, various different types of therapy such as compassion focused and lots of different other types so I would actually say to people start with something very simple like a breathing exercise and going back to your goal setting keep it really really simple you don't have to be a hero literally three minutes start off with three minutes a day see see how it goes you know, see how it goes, and then you can start to adapt it, change it, increase it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I, I normally do recommend breathing exercises as an entry point for people, and um, just to see how they get on because it is quite accessible. Um, there are lots of different tools online to help with that. I mean, um, loads of different free resources. So, uh, for example, Insight Timer, it's an app you can get it's got a huge number of meditation resources so it's also great to just have a look because you can just plug in and listen to somebody for 10 minutes and it, it's brilliant but there's also loads of breathing exercises in that there's some fantastic websites out there as well a really good one called 10% happier which is really worth checking out so um it's brilliant every day they've got a different meditation teacher in they're discussing the current situation challenges that are coming up as a result of it how we can help on our mental health and then they have a meditation so things like that can be really good it's just kind of like you know sparking your curiosity and also then getting you to start practicing as well 
Fantastic, Jen. That's absolutely fantastic. So just yeah. just pivoting slightly, um, Jen, and looking at um, so you, like like you said, the holistic approach. So just looking at um, some mindfulness, absolutely meditation. Just coming back to stillness, mm-hmm. really, and, and resetting the, those baselines on days mm-hmm. off, letting days off be days off. But um, around sort of um, some of the some of the other, because it's actually in this in the, in this in this current climate at the moment where the government's advocating, you know, a lack of community, face-to-face community, which actually can be quite mm. hard as on us as clinicians, mm-hmm. not interacting, because I, I think mm. we are community-seeking individuals, actually, fundamentally community-seeking individuals. How would you advocate sort of tackling that, um, either using modes of technology or indeed um from a new just getting more restoration and balance with nutrition and sleep what are some of the other external components of of uh, of of good mental health we can facilitate in the current climate yeah so i think that um i think you're absolutely right you know as much as this is the kind of with the balance we're talking about isn't it we're trying to disconnect from those things that we are making an assessment of that are actually uh kind of very stimulating versus actually really positive important connection that is so inherently uh, needed because human beings have such a need for that so we we need that we really need that and I think this is a time where it's about creative about about it's about thinking creatively about ways to sustain that so for example you know I I am a massive fan of of a FaceTime coffee with a friend. So you can't meet them for coffee, have a FaceTime coffee, have a FaceTime drink. You know, I can't go to the pub, let's have a FaceTime drink. If there's a group of you, let's have a FaceTime pub quiz. Like technology platforms are amazing. And actually, yeah, it's not the same as physically being with somebody, but it's still, you get all of those positive emotions and you get that, you know, that just that sense of connection and community. And I think it is so important to try and, keep those types of things up but we have to think creatively don't we so um you know I think things like that just from a very social perspective are really important but getting into the exercise side of things you know I actually think this has been really uh this is a really great time to try new types of exercise because actually there are an awful lot of um for example with my background yoga but I love all types of exercise but there are an awful lot of websites at the minute who've had to close closed doors but have put everything online and as a result of that they've massively reduced their prices so they're trying to get people involved in online exercise but it's not at the normal price that you'd have to pay if you went to the studio to do something so it's actually a great opportunity to to, to try out new types of exercise from home and you can do that with a friend as well, just like you'd maybe get a friend to go to an exercise class. So you can be like, do you want to join me on Zoom and we'll try this new, like a Zumba class? So I think, you know, it, it's kind of just about changing our frame of mind, isn't it? It's a, you know, we're all going to be virtually doing things with each other. But, but the thing to say is it is still possible. And that is amazing. You know, it is really, really amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, but obviously we've kind of naturally moved into talking about exercise and I think you know I always talk about with all my clients and coaching and and just generally personally myself it's something I just really think exercise nutrition sleep these three biggies are like they are your foundation generally but in times like this they almost become even more important I would I would wholeheartedly agree with you there, Jen, and and like I say, covering all bases as well, um, and yeah. getting you know a minimum of of seven to eight hours sleep a night of yeah. of, of, of good sleep, um, l- like you said, actually being quite strict about when you do and don't look at your phone, but from a sleep perspective, not having bright lights in your eyes just prior to prior to sleeping, just m- m- making sure you can you can facilitate a, um you know your your circadian rhythm as much as possible um into a healthy balance and so getting that kind of healthy sleep getting a healthy pattern of exercise and getting a a healthy mix of community albeit online all sounds to me Mm. sounds really just a really nice balance actually um for coming back down to baseline and Mm. and as you said before you you said you said it earlier where whereas you're having a little bit of time on your own every day in the morning just just to meditate just just to quieten yourself you know return to your breath um mm. start to realize that the, the micro stimulations just and, and 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 also just 
something I love, uh, um, uh, we were saying with a colleague about cognitive diffusion. So actually mm. coming back to coming back to the to your mind and realizing that actually your thoughts um, might be like the weather in the sky. Your, your mind is the sky and your your thoughts are maybe the clouds and or the weather, but it, it doesn't define you as a person, which is meaning mm-hmm. you're not being hijacked by your thoughts. You know, you aren't how you feel. You know, a big misconception is people think, their feelings equate who they are as a person, but actually we're so much bigger than how we feel. You know, being able to transcend the waves of emotion and thought life um, because it will pass. You know, as mm. another, as, a, as I was chatting with a, uh, another um, guy for Wemcast the other day and he said, there's never been a double night. There's always been, it's night, day, night, day. And actually mm. there's however bad things get, either from your thought life or, or otherwise, we can transcend that <clears throat> and the process of cognitive mm. diffusion is diffusing the, the 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 power of thoughts and or emotions f- for better or worse and to come back to baseline and just to know that actually it's going to be okay you're going to be okay Definitely. i'm going to be okay it's it's all going to be okay but having that time in the morning to come back to the breath realign and reset even actually before work day i generally get up i'd be interested to see what you do for a work life pattern but mm. i generally get up about 45 minutes to an hour earlier than I need to leave. And I have a 15 minute window where I just sit with the coffee and just come back, come back to myself, realign my perspectives for the day. Um, mm. Put my, put my thought life aside and just r- return to a very sort of quietened state, just, just to bring myself into the day and just to, mm. just to reset myself. Um, is, is that something you do or is it something you would advocate very much so. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge advocate of both a morning and a nighttime regime because I think in the morning it, it, there's a lot of uh, you can set a very strong intention in the morning, can't you? You know, normally for me after I've had a coffee, but you know, I think like you know you really can. It's it, it's it's a really lovely time of the day, particularly if it's quite quiet in the house. You can just sit and you can just be with that. You know, so. I, I, I'm very, very similar. You know, I, I actually love to get outside in the morning and just like be outside, get fresh air. And then I love to just exactly just just sit with that and just just almost just try and get to quite a calm and grounded place. So for me, that normally always starts off with my breath. I, I think that 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 is that that's the conduit that gets you out of out of this, out of the busy, busy, busy mind and the, all of what you've just talked about, all of those things that are they're part of the human experience we are all going through them we're all having them and we're all we're all in the same boat but actually you know it's it's about trying to find those things that take you just away from that back into where you are with that coffee cup sitting outside and just trying to relax but similarly at the end of the day I mean almost arguably I think with healthcare professionals as well at the end of the day it's needed too because I think particularly at the minute, it is going to be a really charged time for people um, emotionally, I think, particularly. Um, I think, uh, yeah, for sure. And I think that it's about also having something at the end of the day. It's that golden hour before bed I talk about as well. There's a golden hour before bed where you should be switching off and you should be trying to wind yourself way back down. And I'm always drawn to the word compassion. I mean, it's a big part of what we do in our work, but rarely do we turn it in the other way. And, and, you know, there's a huge body of work around self-compassion and self-compassion in healthcare professionals. And I think that now is a time where we as a group of people really need that. We need to acknowledge the difficulty of what it is we're trying to do every single day. And we need to give ourselves a break, actually, and say we are doing the best we can given the current circumstances. And it, it, it's just about nurturing that way of, of, of kind of uh, relating to yourself as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%, uh, Jen. I think that completely makes sense to me. Um, so, Jen, just, just, just sort of pivoting slightly and looking at um, mental health within the community, because I think as all this goes on, um, you know, in the current climate, I think there's a... As, as, as me and you have both talked before, you know, the, 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 the amount of mental health which is in the community, and a lot of mm. a lot of physical health starts with, I think, with mental health for better or worse, mm. and actually bleeds mm. over into physical health. But um, I, I know there's a melting pot out there of, of, of mental health. And just something you said um, 
prior to now, um, it was actually last time we talked uh, a while ago, and and you, something you were teaching on, which I really found insightful, was just just looking at the differentiation of um, of a few of the pathologies. Which th- this really made sense to me actually when when you said it, and it was it was it was around. Um, just the difference between neurosis, psychosis, and the dementias, just the sort of classification mm. of mental health, and just just around mm. sort of the, just in neuroses, so, so, so depression, anxiety, and mania, and obsessions and mm. compulsions, patients usually maintain insights. So the differentiation is mm. that they, they, they maintain the insight, whereas the psychoses, <clears throat> the schizophrenias, mm. or the or the or, or, or the uh, pure psychosis states. Um, mm. Patients generally lack insight, and they they mm. they're dis- disorientated, deluded, and then dementias mm. again. It's uh, you, they can lack contemporary insight in, in, into mm. into um, mm. the cognitive pathways and and, mm. and neural pathways. But but what what really helped me there was Jenna, and it really relates to the current climate. I think is that actually so neuroses they they maintain insight. And it actually, mm. so they might actually the stresses and strains of of day to day life mm. will. Mm. And I'll, I'll see this as a paramedic. You'll probably see it as a as a, as a doctor mm. in the ED. Is they'll they'll be fully cognizant of of everything that's going mm. on around them, but but really on this roller coaster of emotion, of 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 hormonal changes, of um of you know of. Uh, of, of of complete stresses really um inter mm. in, intrinsic and extrinsic but the but the but the um the psycho the psychosis states so the schizophrenic states really lack insight and i found that really helpful as a tool for differentiation for undiagnosed mental health um mm. so so actually me going to a patient first and foremost that that lacks insight and that might be showing the first signs of a sort of a schizophrenic state mm-hmm. um mm. at, but actually, there's a lot of external stresses, social isolation, there's um, social distancing, lack of sort of tactile and or communication, there, there might be a real lack of self care. And all these things have, have bled over into this lack of insight. And that actually tips the patient into into quite a delusional state. Um, and and or a and or a um, a, um, a a neurotic state, so the neurosis mm. or the, the 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 kind of manic state where they they maintain insight, and mm. they uh, but the, what they do is they they they're either sort of high hyper stimulated or hypo stimulated in, into a place of deep mm. distress, um, mm. and um, and and I'm not too sure, and I'd be like like to hear your side of things as to whether mm. you know uh, you know which whether we, we whether you can whether it's de-escalating either state or indeed communicating with either state is is, is easier and or mm-hmm. preferable really because I, I'm not too sure mm-hmm. maintaining insight into a deeply um, uh, distressing state is any any more comfortable than than a lack of insight in into these states but it, I, it, I don't, it really resonated with me when you when you said that mm. um and, and you, are you mm. are you seeing that in ed are you seeing that in practice or mm. or indeed on the ground mm. i mean i think there's some really i mean i would encourage anybody who's interested in in mental health generally there is some really interesting information on the royal college of psychiatrists website where they've obviously given the situation they've had to plan for the the, the predicted impact that coronavirus um, will have on, on the mental health population on lots of levels, from an operational level, but just even um, from the sheer perspective of, um, for example, people with addictions who are normally on addiction programs and are getting replacement drugs from a pharmacy but are being told to socially isolate and access to those medications that they really need, they may not be able to get them. That increases the likelihood that they could start to use street-based substances and obviously that that's just not what what we want because those people you know are then therefore more likely to present um in distress and and in, in a place of higher need so i think i think you know that's just one example obviously but i think that um the impact of the situation on on, on people in some of these more vulnerable groups is very 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 real and i mean i'm really drawn in particular to you know anybody who has got a diagnosis of anxiety or an anxiety related condition depression and OCD. I mean, if, if we think about those three, you know, um, 
it, it's hard enough if you are somebody who's already experienced an awful lot of anxiety to have this this new thing come along and I think similarly with depression the social isolation obviously is, is is really really not good and with the OCD I mean such a big part of the campaign at the minute is around hand washing and that for somebody who maybe struggles with with obsessive based behaviors to do with the hygiene that is really triggering I mean genuinely so triggering and and I would encourage anybody who, who is dealing with patients um, in these types of situations to look at the Royal College of Psychiatrists guidance and also look at MIND. MIND is an excellent section on coronavirus and mental health um, and also the Mental Health Foundation and also the Mental Health First Aid for England. So there are fantastic resources to just read about. But on a very practical level, like getting back to what you're talking about, if you're actually assessing somebody who is very distressed or very anxious, I mean, I think ultimately it, 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 it's a very similar thing, isn't it? What we are trying to do is, is obviously get that person to, to relax a little bit. And sometimes that takes the form of distraction. It does. And sometimes that takes the form of actually trying to promote relaxation-based techniques. So I'm thinking more of the anxiety that could be associated with having anxiety, an underlying anxiety-based condition, or the anxiety that could come from something like OCD and the current situation. So at, you know, so that they're quite kind of distinct to those two categories is, is trying to relax, trying to distract, trying to trying to do something that gets you away from just focusing on, on that one thing. And then I guess as a whole of the group, you know, anxiety, depression, OCD, if we put them as a group, I think, I think, you know, connection is, is so important for anybody with a mental health condition. Um, and I think that maintaining connection, so having safe people to talk to if your level of distress is starting to increase. I think is essential. So whether that takes the form of obviously key workers, community teams, therapists that you have, which hopefully you've been able to switch to an online platform, family, friends, and support groups. I mean, that is the other thing to say is that there are really good support groups out there and um, of which many will already be part of. But this is a time where people really do need those types of those types of frameworks to support them. Um, so, you know, I think I think uh, disconnection and isolation in those types of situations is is so distressing. And obviously, you know, what we don't want is for people to, to end up in real crisis, which I think is, is such a real possibility, given what's going on at the minute. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I think, yeah, I think it's, it's really important consideration. Definitely. Absolutely, and just 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 um, just pushing it just on something you said there, Jen, around um, around addiction actually, and just mm. just um, having the social networks or not in this time um, yeah. with people with 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 really you know prevalent addictions, um, maybe long lasting. Mm. Or, or 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 medium term lasting it's it's really difficult it must uh, and what, how do you see it from your perspective of sort of ha being able to sort of de-escalate an addiction when mm. you're being asked to socially isolate and or you can't necessarily seek the help from physically face-to-face -face consult cons yeah. consultation it, the, 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 in your mind are, are there other ways which you, people can sort of break the habitual cycles of addiction um, that might be yeah. holding. I mean, I think this is something that's probably actually really relevant to, to just the general population, isn't it? Because I mean, um, it, really interesting. But in Ireland, for example, they they've deemed the off licenses as as an essential business, so they're not closing. Now, I, I, I'm I'm saying that as a joke, but it is very interesting because I think that you know there is a real chance here that what we're going to see is people drinking more. So people at home more who are going to you know, drink more alcohol, whether it's socially or whatever, people who smoke are maybe at home, they're more bored, they're going to smoke more. You know, there are real, there are real kind of, um, the, the reality of the situation we're in can absolutely certainly provoke a kind of worsening of some of those underlying behaviours. So, I mean... I think a lot of that is, is, is obviously first and foremost education. So people are aware that actually, you know, uh, that the, the impact that this situation could have on those types of behaviors. And then I think it's us as a group of healthcare professionals also being aware of that whenever we're actually seeing people. I think this is particularly relevant in the community. So, um, you know, with, when people are seeing people in a community based setting. So, um, but it's relevant to us all, isn't it? You know, you're at home, things have changed. 
an awful lot in terms of your normal lifestyle, it's very easy to slip into repetitive patterns that, that are good for you. You know, I know obviously a, it's not necessarily a classification of an addiction, but it's a habit that starts to become detrimental to your well-being. So I think I always say the first thing with that is, is an awareness. So it's an awareness of what you're doing and awareness of whether it's good for you. So, you know, the question I, I, I really like, the self question I really like is, what do I need? And is this going to be helpful or is this going to be harmful? <laughs> you know, those, those series of three questions, you know, are, are actually really, they can be really helpful for most of us when we are, um, you know, in these types of situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jen. And and just to agree with something you said last time I saw you again, which is around looking at addiction and fundamentally who who have you got in your life? Because the five the five key people in your life, as in the five closest people in your life, will have influence on mm. you whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. Definitely. So are those are those five people wholesome? Are they are they bringing Definitely. you are they bringing you more closely aligned to who you want to be rather than who you'd rather not be? And are they mm. are they are, are they inducing good habits over 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 negative ones? And, and me and you mm. both said I remember last time you know being judicial about who you have as close community in your life because we, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, they will bear, they will have relevance and bear influence on your life just by the simple process mm. of spending time with you. Um, mm. And I think mm. I, th- I think I think people fall into that trap of maybe sometimes not being aware of how powerful other external influences of those five key people are to you um and it's mm. and, and that's one of the things i would always counsel people is be very judicial and very purposeful about who you position in your life because they will have influence on you um so mm. you you mm. It, it, it has to be a purposeful act definitely 100 percent. and i think i think it, it, you're absolutely right and i think in that can feel initially very, very uncomfortable for some people is to start thinking about their interactions like that and start to evaluate them on that type of level. But it is essential because it, it, it is essential because it has such a big impact on your mental and emotional well-being. It's massive. It's, a, it's such a huge impact. And I mean, it links very much to the whole idea of boundaries and the whole idea of being very clear of around who who is who's helpful who's supportive who's a positive constructive influence and actually who you know at that time it goes back to the question what do i need who do i need to speak to who who now can i know i can go to and it's 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 safe it's there's there's something there that is so you know it's so nourishing for me because this is ultimately what we're talking about particularly as healthcare professionals is you know Who's going to nourish me? Who's going to nourish and nurture me when I myself am actually, uh, you know, going through an incredibly stressful and unprecedented time? <laughs> Absolutely, so, Jen, hundred percent. And what I what I I find is that um, in a time of deficit, after six twelve-hour shifts. I actually yeah. need to be around people that, that don't then draw from me more of a deficit, rather give to Definitely. me, even if it's just in simple little ways of humor, of a perspective, of a smile, of, of a joke, or indeed of just some lightheartedness. Um, but just mm. give back to me rather than take from it. I'm already overdrawn in, in the whole baseline of, of, of energy. Yeah. So you, you almost want people that are, that, that, that can deposit, um, and in part, just even if it's a little bit of energy and or positivity in, in into your life, and and, and I think we we both talked about positioning positivity in our life in little pockets mm. so that we so that you can just operate mm. in the world because I think day to day, as 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 you were saying before, most of our work life is t- it, it takes from us. It's a it's a deficit in our life mm. rather than mm. rather than giving back to us. So that we do need. Mm people and, and 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 habits in our life that that then that then that then give back to us but you've so you've you've managed to orchestrate a balance between the yoga the, the medicine and and the mentoring do you do, does the yoga and the mentoring give back to you yeah a hundred percent i mean uh a hundred percent i mean i i would i mean it's been around for a while the whole idea of compassion fatigue you know it has been around for a while hasn't it this whole kind of idea that's when you're working in a compassion oriented field, people are always expecting something of you. You are there to provide that um, 
that calm perspective, that 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 wisdom when others are actually normally very distressed, aren't they? So I think that um, if we look at it from that, or simply put, we look at it as three buckets. You know, very simple in my analogy, and you've kind of got you know, or one bucket, and you've kind of got things that fill you up, and then if you imagine you've got holes where the water's being let out. You know, it's about trying to kind of minimize where the holes are and then fill it up whenever you can. So at least you're always kind of you're never getting down to under 50 percent. You know what I mean? Because that's when that's when we start to fall into these kind of patterns of, you know, habits that aren't very helpful. We're much more prone to negativity because we're just tired because the physical body and the mental body, the mind and the body are not two separate things. They are completely the same thing. They are so interrelated. So if you're tired, you're going to be more negative. You're going to feel more negative about things. You know, you know, for example, so so this is kind of a very holistic way of thinking about it. So absolutely. So for me, those things are essential. So, you know, yoga is, is an essential filler upper. Exercise is an essential filler upper. And um, nutrition being so, so mindful and so, uh, so uh, disciplined about eating properly, particularly at work, actually, where, where I think it can be really difficult. That's something I've learned through being, you know, being a doctor for, for a while, is that you have to do these things. These things, you can't just expect them to happen. You must, you must continue to, to, to look after yourself on those types of levels. Um, you know, yeah, and nutrition is a huge component of that, and it's one that maybe we don't we don't talk about quite enough, but actually it is it's essential. Um, so they really do. And then for me, yeah, mentoring and coaching that's something that that, that very much fills my bucket. So it's very um, it's very aligned with with kind of my 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 strengths, my values. So so that actually really really adds um to that to that bucket essentially so you know I, I kind of I sometimes do that with people I, I kind of think you know, if you think about it if you think about your your kind of your well-being as being limited in many ways your capacity is limited it's not endless you need to be adding things in that are are bolstering that all the time and it's not about one thing it's about lots of different things and it's about having lots of different tools in your toolbox that you can draw on depending upon the situation and depending upon that question, what do I need? What's going to be helpful? What's going to be harmful? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I completely agree. I, I absolutely completely agree. And um, just at risk of, 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 of going off tangent slightly, but I actually think just stepping outside of medicine is, and this is why it can be so refreshing. And that's really why oh. from an from, uh, from a, a expedition mindset, getting getting other strings to your bone, doing other things that bring you alive, it, you know, because exhibition yeah, yeah. work can be, you can, you know, be resourceful. It can be, can, can involve exercise, can involve beauty, can involve being in the great outdoors, but it, it, it also aligns you with other things because even on expedition, you are a mentor to younger people as, oh, as, the, as the expedition paramedic doctor or nurse and but but you're right the, the bigger mandate is finding things maybe outside medicine that that serve you and come back and bring and bring you life and and actually fill that bucket um mm. because like you said you know that you've got a finite amount of compassion and or energy um and and, mm. and learning how to navigate that whilst having other strings to your bow is I I, I think mm. brings brings you, you brings allows you to bring your best out at work as well um mm. and so how just really quickly how did you because I'm massively interested in this Jen because I actually mm. aspire to be like you in, in a lot of ways just just having having more strings to my bow that bring me to life and that actually align with my overall mandate which is you know having restorative conversations making sure that this i'm practicing good physical and mental health as well as the people i'm treating um how did you find how did you find mentoring and how did you find yoga did you, was it just a process of trying lots of different things and 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 you just thought actually this is this is exactly on point for me yeah i mean i think i think it was probably quite organic it's a really good question actually um a really really good question i think it's a right yeah yeah so i think it was it was kind of organic and, and iterative like many things often are but i think i think 
and, and I think that this is quite a common theme for people who maybe are in a profession and then make a decision to actually um, diversify a little bit or to, um, yeah, diversify, that's probably the correct word, is it's, it's sometimes it, it's based on, on an ongoing reflection of the current situation you're in and a recognition that actually it's, it's not sustainable and actually it's, it's actually becoming, uh, the balance is starting to tip too far in one direction where actually it's starting to feel like you're really, you don't have very much left in the tank, if that makes sense. And I think for me, there, there very much was an ongoing recognition of that. I was very much kind of doing a lot of questioning, <laughs> not using a big word, but existentially probably as well, around actually what, what where do I want, where, what sources of meaning do I need in my life? Where can I derive meaning? Because actually it can't all come from work. That is, uh, that is blue sky thinking. It really, really is, you know? So I think there was a lot of that that went on, an awful lot of reflection and introspection. And, and then actually it was also, you know, I, I think it's just being very practical about it in order to actually start to explore other things. You need time. And that is very, very difficult to do if you're a full-time trainee in, in any healthcare profession, you know, not, not just medicine, anything. It's, it's an intense program. So, so I think there is an element, you know, being very practical around how to create time to do these things. And, and I made a few decisions to free up time because I felt that that time was so important to me. And then I guess the process of how that unfolded was very organic. It was a sense of, I, I, had, an, I had intuition, so I kind of had... You know, I knew I wanted to get involved in the expedition world because that brought together so many things that I thought were fantastic. So that led me down that road at, at Rose and, and that's been amazing. And then, you know, the yoga was very much, I was like, oh, I got very into meditation. And then I thought, I've never tried yoga. And I love physical activity. What would this be like? And then, and it was allowing myself to be curious. And then actually to just allow that curiosity to unfold and to just try new things. And I think that is something that, I'm such an advocate of like try new things, try new things, and it's not about being good at it. And I think that's something that in healthcare sometimes we think we have to be really good at everything we try. But this is not what this is about. This is about finding things that actually you just really, really love. You're just naturally they're they're like passions to you. They're so interesting. They just fill you up. And to do that and then to allow yourself to do that, it, it is quite an organic process. You have to just really be curious and keep trying. And actually, you know, and obviously, you know, that, that, that I'm saying that because I did have the beauty of time and I, you know, I've found a way to continue in medicine financially to enable me to do this. But we are very lucky that we can do that. And many healthcare professionals can do that. There are ways for us to, to you know, continue in the profession and keep up those professional responsibilities that we do care about, but actually also start to invest in ourselves on a deeper level, which in the long run is only ever going to make you better at everything anyway. So, so yeah, I think that kind of like answered your question in a long-winded way, but it was, um, yeah, it was, and it was also through a lot of, you know, I do this a lot when I'm coaching people as well, it's sometimes also um, to help us move forward, we have to go back. And sometimes actually going back a bit and going back to things you were really into when you were younger, all those things that you were maybe really interested in that you just forgot about because life took over and starting to think, well, actually, how would that, how would that show up now? How would creativity show up for me now? Well, maybe I should give something to go. Yeah. Jen, that's fantastic. Um, uh, that's fan absolutely yeah. fantastic and, and, and quite practical as well. And it's something I think we'll speak to, we'll speak to a, a lot of people. So Jen, just, just coming into land really on the conversation, um, mm. just wanted to maybe get your thoughts and perspectives um, for the community of, of, of sort of WEM followers that might be listening or watching this, yeah. um, this podcast. Um, so um, just, just if you could speak to the community, any, 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 um, any of your thoughts or indeed um, encouragements around sort of how to, how to survive and or thrive in the current climate. Uh, just maybe just from yeah. it, just some take-home messages. Is there anything you'd just like yeah. to say as we finish off? Yeah, I mean, I think the overarching thing to say is um, give yourself some compassion first and foremost. Honestly. Give yourself some compassion. I'd really encourage people to look at the work, the self-compassion work. It's incredibly relevant for the moment. So that's the first thing to say. Second thing to say is 
be precious about time off. Absolutely precious. Think about it in that way. You're really stimulated at work. How can we, how can we just, just rest and digest? What do I need? How can I look after myself best with these 24 hours that I have off before I go back in tomorrow? Literally make that the first question you ask yourself when you wake up in the morning. So just really draw your focus back into that because I think that's what this is about, isn't it? It's about trying to hone it back in to say, my well-being first on my days off because I need that. I need to fill my tank up. So I think that, and I think the third thing, and I always say this, is do not be afraid to talk to somebody. And actually, if you're really struggling, get help. 100% get help. And I say that to healthcare professionals, to WEM followers, that is not a weakness, that is essential. And I think that we are going to see off the back of what's happening at the minute, that is going to start to become more of a headline in our professions, and I hope it does, is that actually we all need support and that includes all of us. So I would just, yeah, definitely say that to everybody, yeah. Listen, Jen, that's powerful. That's absolutely powerful. And I think that those three fundamentals are, are, are absolutely powerful because they all circle around self-care. And I think in a time, like you said, of deficit and of, of continual demand and, and, and draining, you know, it's, that self-care is, is key to, to, to sort of yeah. being able to continually give yourself at work. So I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely precious. But Jen, listen, thank you so much for your perspectives today and just your time, your effort and your and your thoughts, because they're truly valuable, not only to me, but to I think everyone that's listening to this. Mm, no, thank you so much. Yeah, no, a joy, a joy to be here this morning. So thank you very much. Oh, you're a legend. You're a legend. <laughs>